This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. We are on the air live with Mike Lawless, lifetime flat track racer, writer, and fantastic creator of the blog Electric Horseman, and Michael Locke on the phone, CEO of American Flat Track. I love the idea, Michael Locke, that this is something that is a cool cultural lifestyle. How do you take it to the masses and not over-commercialize it? How do you bring it to the people and and show them the sport, draw them in, uh, maximize your audience, but without losing the authenticity of the core values of what the what the sport stands for? Michael Locke, tell us a little bit about how you walk that fine line. I mean, that question is right at the heart of uh, all the planning we do and all the strategy we've made for the last few years. We, uh, we relaunched um, the brand of professional flat track racing mm-hmm. um, three years ago. It had been, you know, it's the oldest form of uh, motorcycle sport in the country. And crit- critically, it's the only form of professional motorcycle sport that was invented here, oh, here in the United States. Interesting. It's an American sport. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so there is a rich story to tell around that. Uh-huh. But the reason we rebranded was we we realized that the identity and the perceived character was somewhat broken. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the flip side of being the oldest and most storied right. cycle sport mm-hmm. is that you're the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we, we didn't want to um, uh, shed uh, any of that rich tapestry. Mm. We, mm-hmm. But what we but what we had to do was reposition it as being relevant to today, coming from a place of heritage. And, gotcha. you know, th- th- this all sounds like common sense, and it's a very fine line. It's a very fine line between uh, positioning something as being for other guys, mm-hmm. i.e. old guys, <laughs> or being relevant to me now and understanding that it's it's been developing for 70, 80 years and there are stories to tell each decade. And mm-hmm. we, we spent a lot of time on that. Um, uh, so the rebranding exercise was to freshen the image and to uh, effectively create a, an invitation to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did it in conjunction with... Um, negotiating a partnership with um, NBC to televise the sport on uh, NBCSN. Uh, And the sport hadn't been on television for a long, long time. I mean, long enough that our target audience would never have seen it. Got it. Um, So so we worked a deal with NBC. I mean, we basically sold them on the idea of the story and Mm -hmm. the repackaging and the energy in the sport and and the uniquely American um, tale to tell. Um, which I think resonates with people, you know, in a very global world where, you know, you jump off a plane and uh, jump on a plane in one city, jump off on the other, and they all look the same. People, <laughs> people yearn right. for mm-hmm. something that is authentic and has been developed organically. Well, right. wow, there's no better sport anywhere in this country to tell that tale than flat track. Interesting. Um, uh-huh. And so what we've done is we we we, we did some very, fairly classical marketing. Um, development in, in terms of the repositioning and the branding. But but on top of that, what we're now starting to do, now that we're in the third year of this uh, new chapter, mm-hmm. is we are um, changing the focus slightly. And what we're now going to do is start telling the story of the sport and why you should care oh. directly through the eyes and the mouths of the riders. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and this is a change of tactic because what we're trying to do 
is build on all the good communications work we've done so far. But ultimately, we're the series. Frankly, I don't want anyone knowing who I am. <laughs> I want them knowing who all the writers are. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So now we're now we're 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 shifting focus and and we're starting to speak uh, on a much deeper level with our athletes and with uh, the team owners and with the manufacturers who support them about scaling this sport to become truly a national pro sport league. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're on the edge of doing that, but telling the story via. Uh, the 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 athletes and and the and and not only them telling the story of the sport, but critically them telling the story of themselves. Mm-hmm. And Mike Mike touched on this with uh, with Jake Schumacher, and he has a very unique story. Well, the great news is there's about fifty or sixty others that do as well. Um, ah. These these athletes tend to come. Um, from towns that you or I might not have heard of. Well, I've heard of them now because I know the athletes, but <laughs> I wouldn't have known them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of the kids and, and the dads um, and, and the sponsors and the supporters are from the heartland. You know, between the mid-Atlantic and the mm-hmm. Midwest, mm-hmm. it's really the heartbeat of flat track racing has been for a long time. And they have interesting all-American stories to tell that, that, that may be a contrast to a lot of what you see in media, which is a very coastal view of the country, we, we've got an alternative of these kids who can throw motorcycles sideways <laughs> at 130 miles an hour with no front brake. Wow! And they come from they come from a, a place that you may not know. You may have flown over, and so I think it's I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And if we can get if we can get um, our athletes to really articulate and tell the narrative of what they do and why they do it and where they've come from and what their hopes and dreams are for the future. I think we've got a home run. That's incredible. I love that idea. I want to I want to unpack that a bit by going back to you, Mike Lawless, because I think this notion of telling the narrative and what uh, Michael was saying about the story of the sport through the eyes of the writers. The writers are brands. Brand is not a bad word, ladies and gentlemen out there. It's not. It's just the way that we can tell our passionate aspects about what we care about deeply in terms of the things that we do in our lives and bring that story to the world. And it's a powerful thing. I want you to, and I love your brand. I got to speak really quickly about your brand, uh, Mike Lawless, Electric Horseman, ehorseman.blogspot.com. You are creating your brand as a conduit of sorts to be able to tell these stories for these riders, as Michael was saying, to be able to transmit the wonderful nuance, the tapestry, I think was the word Michael used, and those incredible aspects that people can relate to. It's like These are normal people doing extraordinary things, and the backstory behind these riders is the way that you're sort of activating your creative voice and allowing you to help them bring their story to the rest of the world. So talk about your brand for a moment, Mike Lawless, and tell us how you are using Electric Horsemen to sort of be the conduit to help Michael and his colleagues create that broader tapestry that can bring more folks into what's going to hopefully be a national sport with national excitement. But, you know, you can you can interview riders and, like, for instance, I did an article with Henry Wiles, and Henry is a finished second in the points this year. After the at the end of that interview we did, he mentioned that he had went and visited one of these other racers who unfortunately got paralyzed mm. last year. Oh, okay. Um, a fantastic racer, brilliant guy named Brad Baker. Um, but those two were bitter rivals. Oh, okay. But mm-hmm. Henry drove from Michigan over to Chicago mm. to visit Brad Baker in the hospital. Wow. And he t- I said, "Well, what did you say?" And he said. All I could say was there was nothing personal. We were just racing. Right. 
And, you know, we got talking about it for a bit, and I wrote a second article about that, where the people in the mainstream media did not know that Henry had driven all the way down to Chicago to pay him a visit. Mm -hmm. But it kind of paints Henry's character and his respect for Brad. Mm -hmm. And then later, speaking with Brad Baker, Brad Baker said to me later, who's an amazing racer, who hopefully one day will be back in the saddle, Mm -hmm. said to me... um, there's a respect among racers. We might not always see eye to eye, but mm-hmm. there's respect among us mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that you, I try and bring mm-hmm. via my brand to the masses. Because these stories you're not going to read in your average right. magazine. Right. They're more personal. They're much more personal. And the, the community, I love that, the community aspect. When you said the flag drops, it's like, all bets are off. We're going at it, 130 miles an hour, and we're going to see who's the best on that day. But when it's over, we all respect the fact that we have a love of the sport and respect for each other. And it is a community that we're trying to grow and bring to the masses, right? Absolutely. Flat Track is definitely, it, it is one very close, tight-knit family. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing sport to be involved with. I'm, I'm very fortunate that so many riders feel comfortable talking to me, trusting me with their words. Uh, one of the articles that was out a while ago was called The Benefit of Being Media. And uh, one of the Flat Track racers told me a very lurid story of his private <laughs> life. And he looked at me after and went, you can't write about that. Uh, and I didn't. Yeah, so that's off the record. <laughs> yeah. So later I wrote about that in that moment that we shared about that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that's one thing I do is if you tell me a story, I will not, you know, I, I give you first right of refusal everything I do. I would not, gotcha. mm-hmm. you know, a story isn't worth voiding a friendship in my world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm very fortunate so many riders trust me. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's right. what builds the brand. If it wasn't for their trust in me, I couldn't do what Interesting. I do. You're like the Howard Cosell of the flat track <laughs> riding world, right? You're just one of them. So it's like yeah. it's like talking to a peer. And so they probably trust you in terms of just opening up and being, you know, personal and like sharing those stories that are so interesting and wonderful for the sport. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's so many like little gems of knowledge like mm-hmm. Um, that they'll give you that are just, you know, like um, it's not a lack of talent, but a lack of opportunity. They'll say these little lines that hit you, mm. um, you know, it, or it's hard to be a citizen once you've been, you know, a journeyman rider racing for cash. <laughs> All of a sudden, <laughs> uh-huh, you, you, uh-huh. you realize yeah. what it's about, you know, uh-huh. to be living that carefree life where you're racing for money. Mm-hmm. If you don't win, you don't eat. Gotcha. Um, Henry Wiles told me initially it was in confidence, but we kind of went into the story um, with his blessing that. He literally, he didn't finish well in the race, uh-huh. so he mm-hmm. didn't have enough money to, to, all he had money for on the ride home was tuna fish. So he ate cans of tuna fish and oh, drank wow. water on the ride home because uh-huh. he didn't have no money. Just he had enough money for gas. Interesting. So not everybody will share you that kind of moment right. that, that, and show you how real they are and how much they're, they're, they're literally driven by passion. Passion about the sport. For the sport. It's an incredible thing. I, I love this idea. Michael Locke, tell us a little bit. We're running up on time here. Tell us a little bit the next phases for the sport. What's on the forefront and this repositioning or kind of you know reinvigoration, reamplification uh, of the brand. Uh, tell us about the other kinds of things that are like on the horizon for the sport and for the brand that you're excited about. There's really three major initiatives um, that are underway now and will come to fruition over the next couple of years. One is a project we've we've named The Road to AFT, and it is an initiative that we're putting together um, uh, in conjunction with the American Motorcycle Association, who sanction amateur and regional sport and youth sport. Mm. Um, And and, and the the aim of this project is... um, is, is, is pretty much described by its title, The Road to AFT. Mm-hmm. It is an initiative of um, 
extending uh, our rule book and important aspects of our rule book to uh, to youth riders over time so that it's less of a culture shock when mm. they join the adult ranks. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Secondly, of uh, setting up a, a points accreditation system um, so we have consistency across the country in, uh, in, in assessing the um, skill and experience level of riders. Mm -hmm. And also it's an outreach um, to the communities, to the young riders, to their parents, um, to their supporters, um, to put American flat track in front of them at the same time that uh, other choices are being put in front of them, like motocross or supercross or road racing. Um, we, we've suffered a little bit over the last 25 years of not always attracting um, the very top talent because mm. the talent tends to go where the money is, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is fair enough. Mm -hmm. um, and until quite recently, uh, American flat track uh, was not the most lucrative um, uh, pro motorcycle sport, but that's changing, it's, and it's changing fast. So we want to get out ahead of that mm -hmm. um, because generating new talent isn't like a production line. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you notice a kid at nine years of age who's showing talent, mm -hmm. uh, an application. Um, he's not going to be riding in your series for probably seven or more years. Mm -hmm. So um, we can't just turn the tap on with talent. So we've got to get out ahead of that. So that's one thing we're doing. Second thing we're doing is we're really innovating the actual race events themselves. Okay. Traditionally, and, and during the heyday of the sport, tens of thousands of people would, would, would come out to the races to watch a succession of races, a quite a long succession of races, mm -hmm. because, they were, because they were super enthusiasts, and frankly, there weren't a lot of other entertainment choices. <laughs> fast forward, fast forward 30 or 40 years, and you are... You are spoiled for choice on entertainment choices mm, that's right. before you even leave the house, mm -hmm. let, alone, let alone once you leave the house. <laughs> that's right. So, so we've got to sharpen our game, and we've mm. got to be much more attractive, and not only to the traditional um, target audience, which is, you know, white guys. Um, you know, the world, when, the world when it was populated full of white guys who could do exactly what they wanted at the weekend, regardless of anybody, is <laughs> a long gone, right. uh, as mm -hmm. I think we all know. Um, so we live in a society now where families um, consider weekends to be quality time. And the idea of one member of the family uh, just going off and doing something by themselves or with their buddies is really becoming um, a thing of the past. So mm -hmm. to make the events appeal to the family. Gotcha. If the guy wants to come, for example, Interesting. he's got to bring the two kids along. Well, mm -hmm. there better be something for the kids to do yeah. other than just watching lots of racing. So that's the second thing we're doing. And the third thing, which is, is going to take us to the biggest audience, is we are now looking ahead down the road to um, upping our um, uh, TV show. Uh, at the moment, it, it is a highlights show uh, gotcha. of the racing. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody I speak to in broadcasting says, wow, you guys are really overperforming considering it's a highlight show because no one watches those anymore. Um, everybody <laughs> wants to watch live sport, live right. sports where you can feel that you know, electricity in the air. So we are now working towards what we have to do to start bringing a live element to our shows. And I know from, from speaking to the broadcaster and speaking to agencies like Nielsen, who do a lot of data gathering and analysis for us, they said you will triple your audience if you move from your highlights show to live, mm. even if you don't change anything else. Got it. So those, those are the three things that are on the horizon at the moment. Very, very cool. This is exciting stuff, guys. Uh, Mike Lawless and Michael Locke, thank you so much for coming on our show tonight. My pleasure.
pleasure. Thanks for having us. It was a pleasure to have you both. Uh, listeners, if you want to learn more about American Flat Track, you got to go check it out. It is amazing. Go to AmericanFlatTrack.com or follow them on Twitter at AmericanFlatTRK. And don't forget to check out Mike Lawless at ElectricHorseman.com and his blog, which is, I'll say it again, eHorseman.blogspot.com. Com. Listeners, if you're enjoying this as a podcast, remember that our show, Marketing Matters, airs live on Sirius XM Channel 132 every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we replay Saturdays at midnight, Sundays 8 to 10 p.m. and Mondays 2 to 4 a.m. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.